0: Hi,
1: I'm Crystal. Hi, I'm Mark Travis Rivera, and together we are the hosts and producers of the Ma and Me podcast.
0: A podcast about mothering ourselves into wholehearted people.
1: Yes, I'm so excited to be in community with you, Crystal. I'm so excited that we're doing this. I, from the moment we posted that little video clip on my Instagram, I knew this was going to be a special podcast. Um, so hello
0: to our first episode. Woo, woo. We did it. Woo-hoo. So I'm super excited to be doing this with you. I remember when we, um, when you brought it to my attention that you wanted to do a podcast about mothering yourself um, and talking about healing wounds, your mother wounds. And I told you, I said, I would love to do that with you because me too deal with uh, mother wounds as well. So I am so excited to to do this podcast and you know this is my first
2: podcast (laughs)
1: Yes, I'm so excited you know I will say from the moment I met you I knew you were special but it wasn't until we did the interview on your YouTube show that I knew exactly how much we had in common. so when we tell people how we met do you remember the night we met
2: uh kind of you know she was drinking. <laughs> few,
1: she was drinking a few dirty martinis, y'all. She had a few dirty <laughs> martinis. I'm not judging, but I'm judging. Um, no, so I remember. I remember like it was yesterday, and partly because I'm a writer and because I have um stickler for small details, but I remember I was on a date with a guy who's not even nameless because he's a jerk.
2: Oh man! And, and
1: um, you were sitting next to me at the bar. Your husband, Rain White, was next to you. And y'all were talking to some kind of white guy next to him. And somehow it was around the Oscar time. So the Oscar controversy, we all know the famous infamous slap heard around the world when Will Smith slapped Chris uh, Chris Rock. And I remember thinking to myself, we were chit-chatting. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that, you know, and so are you. We just connect with people. Like, we're just very friendly. And our first conversation was a debate about whether it was Will Smith's fault for his own actions and his own behaviors. Or was it Jada's fault for the way she um, has emasculated him and, and embarrassed him in some of some of her commentary and actions in the public eye? And despite us having very different views on that topic, we still got connected. We hit it off. We, we laughed. We joked. We disagreed respectfully. And I think at a time in our country when we're so polarized and we're so afraid to just have difference of opinions and still see the shared humanity between
0: us, Right.
1: Our friendship, I think, represents that, right? I am right. a 32-year-old Latino, disabled, queer, gender non man who grew up in Jersey, lived in New York City, lived in California, and now I'm living in Atlanta, and you are
0: a... I am a 50-plus-year-old woman, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm celebrating my second anniversary of my 50th year. <laughs>
2: love
0: that <laughs> wait, so wait so
1: there's actually 20 years between us
2: yeah i didn't know that yeah
1: 20 wow. years wow crystal y'all i know you can't see her because it's a podcast but crystal is type less honey she don't look a day over to <laughs> five Wow, well, I, I appreciate that you know what her
0: secret is dirty martini <laughs> okay it's the vodka that's uh preserving my skin
1: yes yes preserved I not preserved so you are a 52 year old woman, black woman
0: black from, mom, from Texas. What part of Texas? H-Town, baby, all the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, baby, okay, Beyonce.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, um yeah, but, you know, I lived in Dallas for 17 years. I did that, too, have friends there. Um, and married with three beautiful stepchildren uh so yeah and
1: yeah. and i love you and i and i just love how then after we met that night you slid into my dms because you started seeing the content i was posting on my instagram right and we didn't talk that night about what we do for a living i don't think we talked about like what we did for work right um, but you know i am who i am you are who you are and so we then you, then you started realizing what i did for work and you were like oh my god you told your husband. I need to have him on my show. Um, do you think he'll say yes? And then you slid to my DM. You asked me, and I remember, I remember like it was yesterday because I was like, oh, it's June, it's Pride Month. I was like, <laughs> it's a busy time. I said, if you can do it on a Sunday, I'm yours. I was like, there's no time the weekday for me to do this. And you said, perfect, we're gonna record at the restaurant where we met. Right. Uh, we'll have some drinks and some food and we'll hang out in kiki. And record and you know i got glammed up because you know i'm I'm on some youtube show looking busted i got glammed up we went to have to the place where we met and i remember having that conversation with you where we started talking about our mothers and at one point you told your husband stop recording
0: stop recording because i started crying because it was something that you said that i resonated with um dealing with uh, my mother as well. And in that moment, I realized how much we had in common. Um, I can't really remember what you said at that moment. Do you recall? It was I, something It was something around
1: the idea that like, I, I remember I, I was, it was when I said to you, it was due feminist thought that my friend told me, shared this quote with me, that I learned to love my mother again. When I stopped seeing her first as a mother, But primarily as a woman, a woman who has her own trauma, her own pain, her own her own disappointments, her own failures, her own successes, her own setbacks. And I remember it was kind of a realization, right? Like my mother is someone who deals with mental illness um, chronically. It has impacted her dramatically. It impacts me and my family. It has for many years. And what I've learned, you know, through that journey of therapy for 12 years and doing the self work and the healing work is that our mothers endured a lot right you think about you know my mom is actually she's a couple years older than you crystal um mm-hmm. and you know she she came up at a time when it was you know the 70s and 80s everyone was like experimenting and having free, free love and free fun and and doing things and you know, she became a teen mom, and then at 22, she had me after having a couple of miscarriages. And I remember, I was born premature, my mom gave birth to me at five and a half months.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: remember my godmother recently told me, your mother wanted you so bad, she would have taken you in pieces. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, because I was crippled. Because at 22 years old, my mother had to learn how to take care of a frail, disabled child. A child that back then was called special needs, a child when back then, 1991, shouldn't have survived, statistically speaking. Right? Right? I weighed one pound. Not gonna say how much I weigh now, but I weigh a lot more than one pound, right? And so I survived, I endured. And so, and your mother, right? Your mother has endured and done things. And so I think we really hit it off about we didn't even realize that we had those mother wounds in common until that interview on your show. Right. And it was the first time I ever saw you cry. And for some reason, I don't know. You didn't strike me as a super emotional person when I met you. You seemed very, like, cutthroat, like there's, some, there's a little northeastern in you somewhere in the, in the <laughs> land. Um, but then you got really emotional during the interview. And I remember I then I got started getting emotional. And the next thing you know, we're both crying. We're trying to not ruin our makeup. And that's when I knew. That's, that was the day that the idea for this podcast came to be
2: in my head.
0: Yeah. I had to sit back and I just started thinking it just overwhelmed me like you know and I started crying and I guess it's because now I have stepchildren,
2: right? And
0: from seventeen, well at the time from seventeen to six, they're older now, but um it I was like, okay, you know, there is something to being a mother, because I don't have my own biological children. Um, I didn't want to have my own bi- biological children, probably be- because of how I grew up.
2: And now I'm not I'm about to cry <laughs> because first of all, I'm I'm surprised it took 11 minutes to make me start crying because you don't know, a cry, baby. Um
1: I am so afraid of becoming a parent and I think part of the reason why I don't want children is because one, I never had a father mm-hmm. and so how can you be something you never saw modeled in a healthy way?
2: Right.
1: And my mother is so unstable, I'd be terrified of passing on my genes to someone else.
2: Right.
1: And then there's this idea, or this notion around like... I can barely take care of myself in my 30s, early 30s as an entrepreneur. Like I can't even imagine being a parent at 22 or 25 or, you know, I think it might happen. If it does happen, it, it would have to be because my partner really wants a child.
0: Right. right? And
1: I would, con- I would concede and have a child with my partner if he's, you know, the love of my life and my life partner and whatever. But if it was up to my own device, I probably wouldn't have children.
2: Right.
1: But like you, you know, you got married later in life. Mm -hmm. um you have stepchildren now and I'm sure that's filling a a part
0: of you didn't realize you needed to be filled that's true that is true um yeah it's it's a beautiful thing you know and I find the joy and the beauty in it uh but how are are you as a stepmother I'm I'm
1: I'm
2: I'm (laughs) (laughs) because
1: you strike me as like. No nonsense type of person, but like it's different when you're a step parent. Like, how do how do how do you navigate that?
0: Still a no nonsense kind of person. Um, I'm still getting. Honestly, I believe I'm still growing into it, and so um, my husband always has to say, "Well, you know, Crystal, is you're not single anymore, and you have kids. It has to be. Sometimes it has to. I have to be reminded of those things." I can only imagine everybody <laughs> having to
2: remind
1: you, dear wife, you are no longer single. You
2: are yeah, no, no longer single.
1: Care. You have a <laughs> partner. You have a household. Like, right. You have a house duties, housework. Right. House to do. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, like, it's it was like every time I go to the grocery store, he goes, he's like, you always shop like you are by yourself. But I, I don't think that I do. But he's like, no, it's like five of us in this house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but for so long, it was just you, right? You were right. just like, so grocery long. shopping for yourself. So, it's, you know. Oh, um, I love that. I love that he has to remind you that you are a step parent and a wife, because like, <laughs> you have a beautiful ring. I mean, the ring is clearly there. Clearly, <laughs> you don't forget. We looked at your hand, but yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and can we talk about your husband for a second? Sure. I, and, I, and I and I and I know we talk about our parents and our mother room and our parent and our father room. Well, for me, father room. For you, you had a great relationship with your dad. Um, you know, because I also met your husband that night. Right. And your husband and I are both um, from the New York, New Jersey area. We have this Caribbean understanding that you just don't have because you're from Houston, Texas.
0: Right, I'm from the South. And so he
1: and I are chatting. And, you know, it's it's rare that you make friends with a couple where, especially as a gay man, just to be clear, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: I'm always very cautious. Like, I'm just like, I don't even follow Rainwright on Instagram. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not about to start no drama, right? But when we're all hanging out together, it is a mutual, like, friendship. I talk to him. I engage with him just as much as I engage with you. And there's mutual care and respect for each other. And Rainwright, you know, I think has shown me that love is worth the wait.
0: Right. And it is. Because. because definitely.
1: Because you've gone through many toads to get to your Prince Charming, right? And, like. Exactly not just prince charming, king charming at this point because he's a grown-ass man and he knows who he is and what he wants and how he goes for what he wants. And, you know, and I really admire that about him. I admire about how tolerant he is of you as, your, as a creative entrepreneur, how open he is to people like myself who are different than maybe what people down here are used to.
2: Right. terms of
1: my gender expression and gender identity. And, you know, with you, I've had to, like, explain certain things. Too, but with him, it's just like, he just gets it. Like, is there right. no- again yeah, to be fair he grew up in new york city like it's a different place but yeah it's, it's beautiful to witness and not just like witness how he interacts with me and other people around him but how he treats you right like when you're around the two of you the love is
2: so evident it is so i don't think i've ever told you this so i'm telling you this for the first time now it is so evident so inspiring but also the kind of love that our mothers never had. Right.
0: That is so true. I'm I'm tearing up because um I'm a lucky woman to have found that because um excuse me, I think before um I felt like I wasn't lovable. Or I didn't think that anyone would love me. And um, let alone not really loving myself the way I should. And I had to grow into that and start believing in that. And I believe that, you know, this is how, because I started believing it, believing in myself and loving myself. And so then, you know, uh, God, the universe uh, sent him to me. And so I'm grateful for that. And uh, he tells me every day how much he loves me. He tells me all the time how beautiful I am. <laughs> like, literally, I just went and took him coffee and he just, you know, he's <laughs> just embracing and then loving on me. And I'm so grateful that I found that. Um, my mom,
2: well, my mother was loved, but I don't think, or believe that uh, she loved herself enough to, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there's, a there's a difference between being loved
1: and being loved and being able to receive that love.
2: So right, you she didn't
1: it, it. She didn't know how to receive it. You she didn't know, know how, how to receive, receive it. You know and you knew how to
0: receive Rayman's love when you met him. Right. Because you were doing the work. Because I was doing the work, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My Thank, mom- you, <laughs> Thank you, Oprah. Thank you, Ian LeVanz. Yes. Thank you, Brene
1: Brown. Thank you. Okay. All the folks. Um, you know, and I and I think it's interesting, right? Cause like and let's get this out the way now on our first podcast episode. This episode, this podcast series about parenting ourselves, mothering ourselves to a whole other people. Um, we are gonna talk about some hard things about our parents, our family, our friends, our love, ex-lovers, current lovers, whatever. And we're gonna talk about hard things that we've dealt with and what we've been through. But this is in no way meant to shame or judge or criticize or crucify our mothers. Um, you know, we are who we are because of them—the good, the not so good, the really, really great. Like, I'm only an entrepreneur because my mother instilled in me the hustle, the legal right. hustle, the legal right. hustle. <laughs> Let me just clarify that—the legal
2: hustle, the right? legal hustle. Mm-hmm. How to like you know, make do, how to hustle, how to how to make a freaking feast out of crumbs, literally. Right. There were times when we didn't
1: have much food. There were times when we, you know, when my mom's relationship ended, you know, when we first relocated to New Jersey, he took everything, including the stove and the refrigerator. And we came oh, wow. back
2: to an empty house, empty apartment, right? And I saw my mother... Build mm-hmm. us back up from nothing, mm-hmm. and that wasn't the first or last time she ever had to do that.
1: And so, my mother has taught me the hustle mentality. And even though my mother,
2: you know, who never got to finish high school, never went to college, you know, she does not understand my life. And I'm not talking about the queer stuff. I'm talking about my
1: career. Like, she has seen me give talks and speak to young people all over New Jersey, right? You know, high school, middle school. But my mother still doesn't get it. What she doesn't get is that growing up, I used to get in trouble in school all the time for speaking too much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They say, Mark's a lovely kid. He's a smart kid. He, he's talented. He just talks too much. And my mom was like, how do you go from talking too much to getting paid to talk? I said, like, that's why I talk so much. I was meant to do it. <laughs> I mean, like, I, it all worked out. But it, but again. There is no blueprint for my mother of how to raise a queer, disabled, gender-conforming son who would go on to become a target in this country, right? Right. People like being killed, there's anti-LGBT legislation being passed in multiple states. You know, there are a lot of things going on that are anti-gay right now, anti-trans, anti-queer. And so her fear is real, mm-hmm. right? But what I told her, and I always thought her this, your fear is misplaced. Because your fear is not my fear. Stop projecting your fear on t- and trying to make it my own fear. I said, I'd rather die living in my truth than live a lie right, right. Well, my mom had no blueprint to how to raise someone like me, right? But she just she wanted me so bad she didn't care how sick I was. right? What about you? like how how was it for you to know that your mother wanted you? She wanted to have you. But knowing that she didn't have a blueprint, or at least she might have had a blueprint, she wasn't following the blueprint, right? Because I believe you have a relationship with your grandparents as well. And so I'm just curious, how have you navigated um, that relationship with your mother in terms of, like, following a blueprint? Like, who is your blueprint for your stepchildren?
0: Okay, so my blueprint for my stepchildren is my grandmother who happened to be an Eastern star <laughs> was old school discipline. And you have, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, sir. Yes, sir. You know, that kind of thing going on. So I wouldn't say she was very, very strict, but she didn't play. So it was like, you don't sit in the room with grown folks and talking type of thing. I don't know if y'all, you had that, but
1: that's what we had. <laughs> yeah, I used to I used to hear all the time. So I grew up in a bicultural household. So I grew up with um and, well my family itself, yes, yeah, Puerto Rican, we we exist in many shades, but my stepfather, who's no longer my stepfather, obviously they broke up, he was or he is a black man, and his family was from the south. Um so we grew up having collard greens, and I was gonna do list and some mac and cheese, right? Like so we grew up in a very bicultural household of black and Puerto Ricans, um, which is why I don't speak Spanish well, because he prohibited us from speaking Spanish in the household. Um, and so anywho, so yeah, so he used to say to us all the time, like, um, stay in a child's place, this is adult conversation, you know, go in the room, don't come out unless you're dying or hungry or need to use the bathroom. You know, I mean, like that kind of stuff that we grew up in, you know, like. And also that kind of idea like what's what happens here stays here, right? Like Yamasaki doesn't leave this house, right? And so we learn to keep silent about our harm.
2: But how did you how do you explain why you're able to have such a positive relationship with your grandmother?
0: Like it's like when you get a dog or a puppy, <laughs> right? And you raise that puppy into becoming a dog and you had this dog for, I don't know, for years, that dog is always going to remember who you are, is always going to treat you and love you no matter what, you you know, if you rub his nose in the, the poo-poo or whatever, don't you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the dog is always going to be happy to see you and love you. And I think that's how I felt with my grandmother, because she took me in. And she took care of me. My grandmother, my grandfather too, but she took me and she took care of me. And she wanted to adopt me, but my mom said no.
1: Wow. I can that. Wow. Wow. So y'all, this is just tipping point of some of the things that we'll be talking about in this and ep- this series, the mind Me podcast. Um and as we wrap up this first episode, what are you looking forward to the most to this journey together as we Try to mother ourselves to hurt people, Crystal
0: I Mark, to be honest with you, want to uh, learn how to forgive my mom. I think that this is a good starting point for me. I think that I am on the path, on the path of learning to not judge her as so much and um, just accepting her for who she is loving her for who she is um because not everything was bad <sighs> i don't want to say she was a bad mother i don't know
2: she was maybe bad at mothering she was she bad at she wanted at mothering. to be, a good,
0: right, wanted to be, be a good
1: mom but she didn't know how to mother she
0: didn't know how to mother
1: yeah
0: but that's, and yeah. again
1: this idea around good, bad, those binaries don't allow for nuance. It doesn't allow for the human element, the human experience. Our parents are not just a binary good, bad parent, right? They're people. And the moment we learn to see them first as people and secondary as parents, then we start to recognize their full humanity. And only then can we learn to forgive, understand, empathize, give grace and set boundaries. Because there have been times when I thought to myself, if my mother wasn't my mother, she definitely wouldn't be my friend. Like, she would not be someone in my life. And I had to realize that you can love someone
0: and not always like them. And that's true. I mean, you know, the way that I am now that you say that, it's so funny. Would my mother be my friend? Yeah, I would hang out with her because she's fun, right?
1: <laughs> my mom's not fun. She's boring. But.
0: See, my mother is fun. She likes to have a good time. Like, she's the good time girl. And I right. think that's where the disconnection um, came with us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So being raised in a from a a, a a woman that is Southern, that is Christian, that is you know always in church with these rules and this this you know being strict when it came to uh, church to having a mother that wants to be out and leading the parades and having a good time and, you know, doing her thing. But she was a young mother too. She had me when she was 21. Right. Right.
2: Okay.
0: So, yeah, you know, yeah. I probably would hang out with my, mom. It, older me, would probably hang out with my mom. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Growing, if I was in her same uh, age range.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I probably would hang out with my mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's okay, right? And so I think, so, you're looking forward to, you say you're looking more forward to, like, healing and understanding.
0: Healing, yeah. understanding, um,
2: and uh, just showing her
0: grace. And, you know, because I love my mother. Yeah. And there came yeah. times where I just didn't want to be around her. So, you know.
2: Yeah. And, sometimes i regret those feelings and the heart,
0: heart in me I'm always like oh well that's just life
2: yeah if that makes
1: sense so oh yeah i definitely see that come out of you sometimes the heart in, the heart inside of you i think for me what i'm looking forward to the most is destigmatizing these types of conversations because there was so much shame around our family of origin so much shame about poverty about Addiction, about mental illness, about um, abuse, about all the things, right? And by us destigmatizing it, by us having these conversations, I hope that it helps others also by having those conversations with their friends and and their and cross generationally, right? Like intergenerationally, interracially, we all want to talk about it. We all we all are carrying the wounds of being parented by who we're parented by, and. You know, our mothers did the best they could with what they were given.
0: Right. And we have
1: are doing the best we can with what we've been given. But what you and I have been given is a lot more than what they were given. Right. Right. We have access to education, to therapy, you've traveled the world. You've I've spoken all over the world virtually. Like I have a book, you have a, a YouTube series. You know what I mean? Like there are things that you and I were able to do that our mothers were never given the opportunity to do. And so this podcast what I'm looking forward to is D helping to destigmatize conversations about family about trauma and how our family of origin sometimes can be a source of pain mm-hmm. which is why I've learned as a queer person the importance of chosen family right um and so yeah I'm really looking forward to the, the conversations ahead and um I hope you all are too. And I hope you share this episode with a friend or a family member who may benefit from our conversation today and be sure to follow the Ma and Me podcast on Instagram. Don't forget to like,
2: subscribe, follow, and rate this podcast episode. I'm Mark. And I'm Crystal. Till next time.
0: Till next time.